we're glad that you're with us today. I'm telling you, you go home probably every week and you have no idea all the things that went wrong. We've, we've had a major meltdown on stage with some of the equipment that we use, and it's just been a, a pickle of a day this morning, but they do great. I, let's thank our worship team because they, they're always willing to do it. I like what you did on that last song there, Tracy. We went back to that. That's a great combination. Good thinking through of those two songs. We had quite a week on, I don't even remember what day it was now. What is it, Wednesday? On Wednesday, we had the SOS Special Ops. Uh, we didn't have a lot of people come, but it was midweek and it was in the morning. Uh, but we had just enough to make it happen, and uh, we did great. It, it was wonderful. If, if I hadn't had a crazy week, I might show you pictures. I have them all on my phone, uh, but they didn't make their way to the screen. I'll eventually get them there so you can see the before and after. But we went in and took a, a courtyard that was just a mess. Tall weeds and just ugly and just nothing pretty about it. And uh, we went in, took all the weeds out, took all of the pea gravel out and brought in fresh pea gravel and we brought in flowers and we made this courtyard look fantastic. When we finished all of our work, Jared Ross from Excel Brother Cleaners, uh, is that what we call it? Did I get the name right? Close enough. Excel. Just remember Excel. He came in and power washed everything. And I'm telling you, boy, that looked super. I can't wait to show you the pictures, but I want to thank all the people that were able to come on Wednesday and make that work. So let's thank them for their effort. Remind you of the so that. Some of you are like, what's the big deal? Well, uh, don't forget, one of the reasons why Oakwood hired me to come in is that uh, community-mindedness, that we get out of the four walls of this church and do something in the community. And this project specifically came up because, um, not the director of food services, what is Amy? She's uh, something. Uh, Amy does something in food services, works with my wife there at the high school, and they were talking, and Amy's like, oh, my office overlooks this courtyard, it's a mess, I plan on trying to do something, and immediately Julie went, ding, 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 hey, my, my husband would love to talk to you about doing that, we as a church go and do things like that, and next thing you know, me and Amy are talking and coming up with a plan, and we had enough money left over from the, the Oxford shooting incident we, you guys were so generous, and we had so much money left over. We've been actually finding things to do for Oxford High School. We don't ever use money for something that it wasn't designated for. If it's designated for that, we only use it for that. So we still had thousands of dollars. So we were able to buy all these plants, some new trees. I mean, just really, really did a fantastic job. So I thank you as a church. Your generosity from years ago is still being effective. That's the so that. So now... When Amy looks out her office and sees this beautiful courtyard, she remembers Oakwood. And uh, her boss was there, helped us, and she was so grateful and thankful. And so hopefully now when students come back and they see right out of the Performing Arts Center there at Oxford High School, you can't help but to see the courtyard, but now you get to see something beautiful. And we got to be a part of that. So thank you as a church. Another thing I want to remind you of, I, I believe it's this week coming up, we have a, a men's grill and chill. And it's being hosted by Jeff. When we first planned the grill and chill, we put out the addresses. Well, Jeff changed the address for this grill and chill. It's at the park, right? Is it just down the street from you guys? Okay. The, the actual address of this park where the grill and chill is, and it's, is it Wednesday? You know? So men, there's going to be a long line because the actual flyer with the information is above the urinal in the men's bathroom. 
So everybody just needs to take a line and we just go and look at the flyer. It's in there. No, we will mail that out early this week. So all the men will get that new flyer with the address where the park is at and uh, the time and the date this week for our men's grill and chill. Men, we encourage you to come. No cost. You just show up and spend some time getting to know other guys here at Oakwood. Again, this has been a whirlwind of a week. I left on uh, Monday and I spoke at Spring Arbor University and I was going to come home, but then my mother-in-law uh, had a heart issue and she was facing open heart surgery and I ended up going to Grand Rapids. And so I left, I left Spring Arbor, went to Grand Rapids and got to see her and pray with her. Luckily, they didn't have to do that major heart surgery. They just did some stents, which was much better. We were grateful. Uh, I got back in time to do the, the SOS, but I had to go back to the west side later this week so that I could uh, be with my family there again. And uh, boy, it's just been a crazy, crazy week. I'm telling you that for a reason. Last night, as my wife was making her way back, I thought it would be nice to make dinner. So I went and I bought big chicken breast and some big potatoes and I baked potatoes and I grilled chicken, barbecue sauce. It was just a wonderful meal. I'd been gifted some strawberries, so I made strawberry shortcake with whipped cream. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying all this because sometimes I like to consider myself a chef. Well, this morning, as your pastor, I like to consider myself a chef and bringing you guys a wonderfully designed meal, something that's fully filling and, and wonderful to look at, and it's just a, a, but today I'm just going to have to be the guy that brings a sandwich. It's been a crazy week, guys. Mamas, you understand this? Any mamas in the room that say, sometimes you get a sandwich? Sometimes you got to make your own sandwich, right? Uh, this has been that kind of a week. Not that the work hasn't gone in. I've done the work, but I'm just going to bring you a sandwich today. I, I did not have the ability to do what I normally do to put together a message, a meal for you guys uh, to take home. So there are no notes today, and that's actually by design. Uh, I don't want you taking notes this morning. Actually, I told the people in the lobby not to put these out until you were all in here and sitting, but I have a four-page document that is going to be all of the information that I present today, but I didn't want you to have it because you would be looking at it and not paying attention to me. And guys, I'm making a sandwich up here, so pay attention, all right? So uh, when you leave today, I encourage you to go by the oak and pick up one of these packets, and it'll have everything you need. You don't need to worry about writing anything down. I want you just to pay attention today as we walk through some difficult things this morning. With all that said, let's pray us in and let's get on it. You ready? Would you be willing to pray this prayer? Just in your own heart, silently you say, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that these people hearing this would be edified. I pray that Satan would be horrified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in a series called Gifted. We're talking about the spiritual gifts. Let's do some recap real quick. Last week, 
We talked about who gives spiritual gifts. Well, we learned that God gives spiritual gifts. Remember, it was a Trinitarian approach. Uh, The writer actually told us that it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts. So it's one of the rare times in Scripture that we see the whole Trinity involved in something. And so we know that God gives spiritual gifts. Who gets spiritual gifts? Well, every Christian. That's the only caveat. You have to be a believer. You have to have asked the Lord to save you, come into your heart as Savior and Lord. And at that moment, you receive the Holy Spirit who indwells you. And with that, he gifts you with certain gifts to serve in the church. Well, why are the spiritual gifts given? So that we can serve the common good. Gifts are given not for your benefit. Remember, they're not toys to be played with. They're not trophies to be shown off. Gifts are given as tools. Everybody say tools. Tools to be used for the common good of the church. And then I wrapped it up last week with this. I I just love this quote. God's gifts are given to God's children so that God's world might be drawn to God's son. Once again, it's about God, not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. And furthering his work, we did the uh, Experiencing God two sessions over the last year on Wednesday nights, and, and we learned that God is already at work. He doesn't need you to do the work. He actually asked us to join him in what he's already doing. You don't need to create it. God asked you and me to be involved in what he's already doing. Because I got news for you. He's been working before you came along. He's going to work with you, and he's going to work long after you're gone. Amen? Amen. I am so thankful to know that it isn't all up to me. God is not hoping and praying that I get to fix things. No, he doesn't need me. He chooses to use me, and he chooses to use you. And that, to me, is reassuring. We can be effective, but God has been at work. He is at work. He will be at work long after we're gone. And so that's what our gifts are all about. So what's the spiritual gifts? Today we're going to start a two-week. I won't get through them all today, but we're going to try to talk through what are the spiritual gifts. There's many passages, uh, and I'm giving you all the passages in Scripture where people take the information from. There is not one place in Scripture where all the gifts are listed. And I think that's on purpose. I don't believe God wanted to give us one thing that says these are the spiritual gifts. I think he, he wanted to let us know that there are spiritual gifts, there are manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and you know what? We don't need to be so concerned about picking from some kind of a gift list, but we need to understand that God uses us, and he gifts us in that work. And so all of these verses together combine to give us some kind of a big picture of what the spiritual gifts are and we're going to walk through them today let me read first the passages and i know this will take some time but i want to read the context we're a church that preaches the word of god not just thoughts of man and so let's look at these passages i'll read you can follow along on the screen romans 12 6 through 8 i don't even have my glasses oh well we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 
Then in 1 Corinthians 12, now we've been using 1 Corinthians 12 so far in our discussion of spiritual gifts, but we need to add these other scriptures too. But let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12, and they start giving us these spiritual gifts thoughts here. Verse 8 through 10, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in a different kind of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. Then down in verse 28 through 30, and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all, thank you, thank you, thank you, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, by the way, there is an understood answer to all of those. No. I mean, if you look at the way this was written, it's very clear the answer to every one of those questions was no. So let's go back over those real quick. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Once again, the Bible is very clear that you don't own all of the gifts. Whatever the gift list is, and there's no agreement on what the gift list is, nobody has all of them. Jesus did. Jesus could do all these things. There's no limitation to his ministry. In Jesus, we find the perfection of all these things. Then in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, so Christ gave... So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And then in 1 Peter 4, 9 through 11, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Now, I love that text because it gives us in the microcosm what it's all about. Again, this is not about you. It's not about me, it's not a toy, it's not a trophy. These are tools that God provides to his church. And why? It's here. So that in all things, God may be praised. Everybody say God. Through Jesus Christ, everybody say Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. Friends, the gifts are given not to bring you glory, not to bring you any fame but to lift up the mighty name of Jesus. The so that is what I gave you before so that God's world might be drawn to God's son. How are we going to be effective as a church? How are we going to reach out in the 10-mile radius around this church? Lapeer, Oxford, Lake Orion, Brandon, Goodrich. How are we going to be effective 
Well, God has given us everything we need in his gift mix for the church. But that means we need you. Now listen, I'm going to walk through the gifts that we know that are there in Scripture and try to explain them. I'm going to show you what type of a person that is that would have that gift. And I'm going to share with you how those might be used in the local church. But now I've heard some of you are already fussing, saying, Pastor Don's going to make us take a, a test, and then he's going to get the answers, and then he's going to call us and tell us you're scheduled to work in the nursery. No, no. Friends, friends, number one, let it be known very clearly from this stage today, I do not have the gift of administration. I don't have that gift. If you're thinking that I've come up with this wild plan to get all of you organized, good luck with that. <laughs> I've been here eight years. It's not going to happen. I do not... And by the way, when I came to this church, I made it very clear that I did not have that gift of administration, that we would need to hire somebody to have that gift of administration. And so it should not be no surprise. Nobody should say, let's fire Pastor Don. No, because you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. You know what my gifts are? I stand up here and yap. That's what I do. It's a gift. It's a gift given by God. Thank you. <laughs> I'll explain it later when we talk about the gift list, but it, it, it's underneath the category of prophecy. And by the way, I want to talk about that just for a second. Prophecy doesn't mean that I'm coming up with my own things. No, I, I simply take what has already been revealed and I share it with you. I declare the truth that we already had made known. There's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to the gifts. And we'll talk through those as we talk through them today. So I, I want to put you at ease. <laughs> there is no plan. There is no plan for me to trick you into having to work in youth ministry or to trick you into having to work in uh, some ministry of our church. I believe that God will do that. I totally have reliance on God that he will move you to know who you are, where you're gifted, and know how you can benefit his church. And you know what? I trust that the Holy Spirit in you will move you in that direction. I don't need to twist your arm. I, if I have to twist your arm, we've already we've gone against what Scripture has said. The Bible doesn't say that pastors are to twist the arms of the people. The Bible says that pastors are to equip the people for you to do the work of effective ministry. I don't want to twist your arm. I want to help you. That's what my job is as your pastors, to share with you from Scripture. Here's the best I can tell you that these gifts are. Here's the best I can tell you what you should be doing with those gifts. And go at it. Be effective. That's what my goal is for the next two weeks. And I'm stalling because now we're going to have to deal with the hard stuff. There is no agreement. You could stack all the theologians from history on this stage and we would have a range of thoughts about spiritual gift from one end to another. Some of you have been waiting for me to have to deal with these issues and you're like, I can't wait to what he says. Because man, if he doesn't agree with me and I don't agree with him, boy, he's wrong. You know what? I can just guarantee you today we're, we're all not going to agree on all these things. And I'm going to say it again when I say it all the time. Oakwood's a beautiful place. Oakwood's a place where we have people that come from so many diverse backgrounds. We have people that have been Presbyterians, people that have been Methodist, people that have been Baptist, people that have been Pentecostal. We have people that have been Catholic. We have people from all spectrums. And by the way, I do believe that a lot of these things that we're talking about, these people are going to be in heaven with us. You know, they believe in Jesus. If anybody believes in Jesus as the only way of salvation, and they've asked him to forgive their sins and come to their life as Savior and Lord, we're going to be in heaven with them. Amen. And we're not going to be arguing anymore. 
We're not going to be disagreeing anymore because we're going to be in the face of the sun. And that's what it's all about. Jesus. Jesus. So let's agree with that and then let's just watch the pastor sweat the rest of the day, okay? So let me try. Let me, let me do my best that I can. And I want to do it this way. I, I told you uh, last week, there's a lot of ways you can slice this up. Have you seen there's different passages with different lists of gifts? So man has come along and said, well, then here's how I think God meant it to be. But it's their best guess. Here's how I'd like to present it to you at pre-conversion. That's what I like to call people as pre-Christians. If they don't know Jesus, they're pre-Christians. We need to tell them about Jesus and get them saved. Amen? But before salvation, we were all pre-converts. And you know what? We had intelligence, personality, emotions, motivations, passions, creativity, and abilities. I don't want you to leave today thinking that the spiritual gifts are simply your natural talents. They're not. You have natural talents and abilities. I believe God gives some of those natural talents and abilities, but don't confuse those with the spiritual gifts. Can he use your natural talents and abilities with the spiritual gifts? Absolutely. I mean, it's natural that it goes hand in hand most of the time. But then something happens. It's called justification. Everybody say justification. That's that moment of redeeming work of Jesus. That's where you get saved. Don't forget the word justification means just as if I'd never sinned. That's when God declares you righteous and pure. The moment you are saved, the moment you ask him to forgive you your sin, come into your life, you are saved. Amen? You are now a believer. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. You are given the Holy Spirit. The Bible says every believer is given the Holy Spirit. You get unzipped, stuffs the Holy Spirit in you, and ye resides in you, which makes you, whoa, you, a temple of the Holy Spirit. This is not the sanctuary. We call this our worship center because that's where Oakwood gathers to worship. You are the sanctuary. God resides in you, believers. So the Holy Spirit is in you. Now, of course, with the Holy Spirit living inside of each believer, he is there to help you do these gifts that he's given you. You're not powerless. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says to do good works that he set up for you in advance to do. It's wonderful. It's not all about you. This is, it's for you. So that's what happens at salvation. And then we've got this whole process of sanctification, which means being filled with the Holy Spirit within to transform us and making us holy. Our natural attributes are now being transformed by the Holy Spirit to serve the purpose in the body of Christ, the church, his church, his people, gloriously gifted for service. Now, here's where we get into stuff that I cannot say, thus saith the Lord. I hate doing this. I, as a preacher, I love to be able to stand on stage and be able to declare, thus saith the Lord. Right now, I'm going to tell you the best way I can possible is how I'm going to explain this. And I like this way. Is it perfect? No. I believe there are motivational gifts. Romans 12, 6 through 8, they, they have a list of things, and these are, these are probably the seven gifts category that most of you will have. And it's just gifts of service. Most of you, if you look at the list, you'll probably find you have traits toward this. As a believer, you tend to lean toward giving or administration or mercy. 
or teaching or serving or, or preaching. Those are the motivational gifts. All of this relies on the filling of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 6.18, a repeatable event where the Holy Spirit empowers us by coming upon us for work within his body and his kingdom. Don't confuse his filling with his existence. He resides in you. But then we as believers sometimes suppress the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit. We don't follow the, the Spirit's leading. So we need the Holy Spirit who resides in us to fill us to completion so that his work is done through us. We understand that? And then there's manifestation gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 is full of these. With the filling of the Holy Spirit, we're available for him to manifest in us for the advancement of his kingdom. And then there's some special gifts, some miracle gifts. Some people call these the sign gifts. Some people call these the serving gifts. But those gifts are words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discernment, kinds of tongue, interpretation of tongues. And then there's a calling. Not all of you are called to a, an office. I've had to explain this so many times here at Oakwood because the backgrounds that we come from don't tend to teach this part of it. And I've had a hard time trying to explain to people that you could be very gifted at shepherding, but just because you're gifted at shepherding doesn't make you a pastor. Pastors are called to service and given the gift of shepherding and other gifts to help lead his church, but not all shepherding gifted people are pastors. Some of our shepherding gift people are working in the nursery today. And they're wonderful at nurturing and caring for our children. So you might have the gift of shepherding. It doesn't make you a pastor. You might have the gift of leading, but that doesn't make you an elder. You have to be called into that. At Oakwood, you actually are, are put on a slate and the membership then does an up or down vote. And you are called to an office of elder. And the same thing is true with deacon. This is so hard to explain. Uh, a lot of you have the gift of serving. I see it. Oakwood is a wonderful church of serving people. And you have the gift of serving. Well, then serve. It's the same word in Greek as deacon. To deek is to serve. But it doesn't mean everybody who serves is a deacon. A deacon in the church is somebody who is called to that office. And so we got to distinguish between the calling and the ministry gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We have teachers who teach. But it doesn't mean they're called to the ministry of teaching. Now, I know that might be a little different for somebody. I want you to just process that and take it in. But I have to take a little bit of time and deal with these manifestation gifts. So many diverse thoughts on the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, we see some of these miraculous gifts being used. Jesus did miraculous healings. Jesus did many miracles. The apostles performed miracles casting out demons and healing most of the time these gifts were in conjunction with authenticating their ministry position jesus did miracles specifically to prove that he was deity to prove that he had authority to do these things he himself said i do this so you understand i have the authority to forgive sins when he healed somebody and so you'll see some of these ministry gifts and they always had the same method. They were direct. Quite often, Jesus laid his hands on somebody to heal them. Leprosy. Uh, those who were blind, he touched them and healed. It was in an instant. 
people were healed instantaneously. It was organic. It was actual real. It, it wasn't psychosomatic. It wasn't a working up of emotions to put on a show. It was direct. It was instantaneous. It was organic, which means it was real. And it lasted. We have no evidence in Scripture that any of these miraculous events had a relapse. So somebody who was healed you know, and, and was lame and, and they got up and ran home, they weren't lame again next week. They were healed completely. Those are some of the things we see in Scripture. So the questions become, are some of these gifts in the manifestation category, and again, those are man's categories, are those existing in the church today? Some of you would say, absolutely. Some of you would say, absolutely not. And that's the beauty of the church. As your pastor, I am not going to tell you what you have to walk out of here and believe. Why do I say that? Because there's no agreement in his story of the church of wonderful theologians on this topic. Let me just give you some illustrations. When speaking about tongues, tongues is, is spoken specifically in the Romans or in the Second Corinthians and uh, the other passage I read today. There's no unity in thought about today. When you line up all the theologians and you read them, Hodges believes that in Acts 2 and in Corinthians, the gift of tongues was actual languages. Both of those passages. Kuiper comes along and he says they're in unintelligible sounds, not languages at all. Matter of fact, Kuiper calls them heaven's language. Uh, apparently, Kuiper believes speaking in tongues is what we'll speak when we get to heaven. That's what he speaks. He thinks it's a speaking language of heaven. Well, then Calvin comes along, and he disagrees with both of them. He says that Acts 2, they were actual languages, but in Corinthians, they were not actual languages. So are we clear yet? Now, friends, you want me as your pastor in Ortonville, Michigan, to stand up here and declare something that there's not clarity on from some of the greatest theologians of all time. I can't do that for you. I know where I fall. I know what I believe, but I also know my baggage that I was raised in a Baptist home and went to a Baptist university and got my master's from a Baptist university, and I have baggage. And instead of trying to demonize one side against the other side. I'm just going to tell you this. I believe true believers on different ends of these perspectives will meet in heaven someday and somebody's going to be red-faced. Somebody's going to be embarrassed. I might get there and say, so you thought you had a red telephone to heaven that just you and God, right? Ha! Somebody else is going to look at me and say, I had a red phone and you didn't have one. What's your problem? <laughs> now listen, there's no need to walk out of here angry today. I believe, looking at Scripture, that the Holy Spirit can do whatever the Holy Spirit wants at any time. And I believe that he would use Believers to do that since he indwells believers. I was brought up to believe that the gift of tongues has ceased. It's called cessationism. There are things in scripture that point to that that people bring out. 
But the Bible does say in the end times there's going to be a re-emphasis of the Spirit like there was in Acts 2. And that there's going to be prophesying. There's going to be things that had seemed to have ceased. They're going to pick up again. Are we in the end times? Perhaps we are. I don't know. But I can tell you this. If the Holy Spirit wants to use the gift of tongues, who am I to tell the Holy Spirit he can't do something because of my theology? Now, I I, I so am tempted to talk about all the ways they're misused, but I won't do that. Because again, I don't want to villainize believers in Christ. If my friends who are in the charismatic movement want to speak in tongues because they believe that that's what draws them closer to God, then I don't want to judge them in that way. That, That motive is great. Now, the misuse of tongues to bring glory to a person is wrong. But I believe the Holy Spirit can do things. I believe, looking at Acts 2, that tongues was a language. It was languages. And people were actually gifted supernaturally to speak a language they'd never heard before. To give the gospel clearly. The Bible clearly says 3,000 people were added to the church because people were clearly speaking the gospel in a language they'd never heard or understood to people who understood it clearly. That's a miracle. So if I'm in Mali next week on a missions trip... And I want to tell somebody who only speaks the language, and I'm I'm dying to share with them, and all of a sudden I start speaking, and the gospel comes out clearly so they understand it. Praise the Lord for that. And who am I to tell the Spirit, no, you can't do that. No, I'm not going to do that. But I do believe we need to keep going back to what I originally said. All the gifts were given to the glory of God and for the people to be brought to God. How God does that is up to him. But I am going to tell you, I believe that we focus on the hard, confusing stuff and we want to come down so hard on one position or another and I just don't see that that serves the purpose for what we're talking about today. I'm not saying it's not important for you to come up in your own mind to understand these things. Search the scriptures. But I'm not telling you you have to agree with me on these issues. Matter of fact, here's what I've learned. The main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. Are you with me? So I can stand here definitively and tell you it is not plain when it comes to the manifestation gifts. Can the Spirit manifest himself in any way? that he? Yes, he can. At any time, yes. Do believers? Yes, he can. But it's not plain. It's not plain and clear. And so it can't be the main thing. However, we've got 16 clear spiritual gifts that I want to focus on. And let's focus on the ones that we can be clear about. If you have the special gifts, God bless you. Don't let that be the focus of your life. Don't make the focus of your life making everybody believe you or change their opinion. If you don't have these gifts, don't make it the goal of your life to change people. Let's Keep the main things, the plain things, and the plain things, the main things. Don't sweat the petty stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff. Amen? <laughs> and that's what I'm going to tell you. Some of y'all are like, that's a sandwich. Eat your sandwich. Eat your sandwich. So let's walk through it. I'm just going to give you them from Scripture what I can give you today. There's a spiritual gift of administration. It's the gift 
God-given ability to understand what makes an organization function and the special ability to plan, execute procedures that accomplish the goals of the group or the organization. The scripture references are there. And again, don't freak out and start writing things down because you got the whole thing in the back when you leave today. Everything that's on this screen will be in your hands when you leave today. And you can look at these for yourself. People with the gift of administration like to develop strategies or plan to reach identified goals, organize people, tasks, or events, assist ministries to become more effective and efficient. Well, what are these characteristics of people with administration? They're thorough, objective, responsible, organized, goal-oriented, efficient, conscientious. I love it. And they know exactly how I'm supposed to live my life. And they tell me quite often, too. Potential way to use the gift of administration, be a member of a planning team, committee, or board, administrative assistant, event organizer, chairperson of a group, maybe data management. This is the one reason I know I don't have the gift of administration. I hate data management. Woo! How many of you people live in the data management world? God bless you. It's it's a miraculous gift like speaking in tongues and healing. You got it. Praise the Lord for it. I don't understand it. I don't have it. But if you are geared this way, let me tell you, we need you. We need you. Tracy came and handed me an envelope today and said, I would have mailed it to you, but the, uh, uh, the, the thing doesn't work. The, the, well, I don't even know what to call it. What is the thing called, Melissa, that we have? The database thing. The, what is it called? The directory, the church directory. How many of you know we have a church directory? Put it down. How many of you can actually use it? All right, good. Those are the people with the gifts of uh, different things. Okay. Because, I mean, darn it, that thing just doesn't work all the time. It drives me absolutely nuts. But, but we got to get better at this. We need people with administrative to help us uh, do these kind of things and make these things effective. By the way, do you notice in the upper right-hand corner, these kind of like the elements? I like it. We're using kind of like the elemental chart there. So we're being all scientific and mathematical and all that kind of good stuff. The spiritual gift of discernment is next. It's a God-given ability to distinguish between truth and error. It is being able to discern the difference between good and evil, right and wrong, truth and deception. Scripture references are there. People with this gift like to identify deception in others with accuracy and appropriateness, sense the presence of ungodly forces, recognize the inconsistencies in biblical teaching or message. These people, uh, the characteristics are perceptive, insightful, intuitive, sensitive, truthful, decisive. How can they use this? They can be a member of a decision-making team, committee, or board, church officer, or board of directors member, counseling, advisor to those who make ministry decisions, the gift of discernment. We need people who have this gift of discernment. But can I tell you, once again, when you look at these and just say, I don't have that gift, it's not an excuse because the Bible tells us all, as believers, we need to learn to discern. Don't just say, I have no discernment, so no. You need to learn to discern, but somebody else might have the gift of discernment used in a broader way in the church. Discernment. How about encouragement? By definition, this is a God-given ability to present words of comfort, consolation, and encouragement so as to strengthen or urge to action those who are discouraged or wavering in the faith. Scripture references are listed. People with this gift like to comfort others to trust and hope in the promises of God, motivate others to grow in personal and spiritual development, and urge others to action by applying biblical truth. 
the characteristics, these people are positive, motivating, affirming, reassuring, supportive, trustworthy. Potential ways to use the gift, visiting the sick or elderly, counseling, hospitality team member, prayer ministry, the gift of encouragement, spiritual gift of evangelism. And once again, I could say, some of you might say, I don't have the gift of evangelism. So the Bible says, tell the word to people. Even if you don't have the gift of evangelism, we are all to evangelize. So again, I got to keep putting this stuff into balance. Many of these things the Bible tells us we are to do in order to obey God. Praise the Lord, there are gifted people. There are people that are gifted at standing up and evangelizing, making the gospel plain and clear. I, I got a chuckle. I got to speak a young life. I, I, I love that. It was one of my favorite things last year, the teens at Oxford. I, I got to show up, and there was a bunch of them there. And, and it, was, it was awesome, because they came to me, and they're like, PD, we're wrapping up a session on sexual purity. So we want you to come up, and we want you to wrap up the thing on sexual purity. I'm like, oh, already, this is great. You know, I'm going to have to talk to high schoolers about sexual purity. Here's a pastor. It's going to be awkward. And then they added the little caveat. And since you're good at it, give the gospel too. So you want me to talk about sexual purity, then preach the gospel. Guess what? There's a wonderful passage where this woman is brought on the ground before Jesus and, and accused of adultery, right? And, and I preached that passage and gave the gospel, and it worked. And somebody looked at me, and they're like, you took sexual purity and gave the gospel. Whoa. I'm like, you know what? I'm an evangelist. <laughs> I love it. I love that kind of a challenge. And God makes things clear to evangelists. It's, it's awesome. It's always an opportunity to give the gospel in any way. Some of y'all would have been crawling underneath the desk. I love it. Bring it on. When you're gifted in these areas, it's fun to use those God-given abilities. To be effective to communicate the gospel to non-believers so they respond in faith and move toward discipleship. People with this gift like to communicate the message of Christ with clarity and conviction. Seek out opportunities to talk about spiritual matters with those outside the Christian faith. Participate in conversations that allow for questions and dialogue about God. Characteristics are sincere, candid, candid, influential, confident, commitment-oriented. Potential ways to use this, outreach events, missions trips, activities which involve people who are new to the Christian faith, personal faith sharing in conversational settings. We need the evangelist. And it's wonderful when you get to see an evangelist use their gifts. But don't forget, you are called to be an evangelist in your own way. The spiritual gift of faith. God-given ability to act on God's promises with confidence and unwavering belief in God's ability to fulfill his purposes. People with this gift like to act in complete confidence of God's ability to overcome obstacles. Advance the mission of Christ because they'll step out in action when others are doubtful. Ask God for what is needed and have complete trust that those needs will be met. Characteristics, these people are prayerful, optimistic, trusting, assured, inspiring, hopeful, positive. Potential ways to use this is prayer ministry, teaching the Christian faith, children or youth leader, missions work, the gift of faith. The gift of giving is a God-given ability to contribute money and resources to the work of the Lord with cheerfulness and generosity. Now again, God has called all of us to be cheerful givers. That doesn't mean we all have that wonderful gift. Have you met somebody with the gift of giving? Oh, I love those people. 
Man, because they just bless. And you can't outbless them. They just bless. And they're blessed by the blessing of giving a blessing. It's amazing when you're around somebody with the gift of giving. And you know what? To them, God usually gives wealth. It's an amazing thing. So you can look around, find the people that don't have the gift of giving, because we're the poor people. <laughs> Why hasn't God given me millions of dollars? Because I don't have the gift of giving. You know what I'd do? I'd do silly stuff with it. I know I would. I probably wouldn't think first of other. Although Julie and I talk about it, if we ever did come upon millions, we've already talked about we want to give Barakel millions of dollars. Mm. We talk about it, but God hasn't given us the millions, so we aren't doing it. I got a girl just got engaged. I got another wedding to go to. So, But there are people that are given this gift. And, and to them, giving is just fun. It, it's just overwhelmingly fun. Some of you need to work on that cheerful part of giving. Maybe you don't have this gift of giving. So you need to pray the Lord will make you a happy giver. Because right now you're stingy and you're, you're mean about it. Don't do that. You don't do that. People with this gift like to manage their finances and limit their lifestyle in order to donate as much of their resources as possible. Meet tangible needs so that the spiritual growth in others can develop. Support the work of ministry with sacrificial gifts in order to advance the work of the church. Characteristics, these people are resourceful, responsible, stewardship-oriented, charitable, and disciplined. Potential ways to use the gift of giving provide support for missionaries. Establish trust accounts and foundations to provide ongoing resources for ministry. Share testimonies of how God has provided for your needs. Assist with fundraising projects, the gift of giving. I'm going to end with this one today. We'll pick up next week. The spiritual gift of helps. Oh, is it really after time already? My bad. Spiritual gift of helps. God-given ability to accomplish practical and necessary behind-the-scenes tasks, which frees up, supports, and meets the needs of others. People with this gift like to serve behind the scenes wherever needed. See the tangible and practical things that need to be done to complete a task or project and enjoy doing them. Associate spiritual value with practical service. These people are willing, reliable, loyable, dependable, helpful, and have a whatever-it-takes attitude. Potential ways to use this gift? Office helper, teacher's assistant, service projects, assistance to church visitors. Oh, I love the people with gift of helps. Remember last week we talked about Jan Porter? Did you all send a card? I hope you did. It was funny, I used that illustration almost to perfection because I talked about how she was an encourager and that it would be great if you would encourage by sending her cards. But then those of you who have the gift of giving might want to send her stamps and envelopes and cards. And I was showing how all the gifts were. You know what happened? It's because I'm not an administrator. I didn't put her address out anywhere. And apparently, Tracy told me, nobody can use the dumb directory. So you know what? I went, I came in on, uh, when did I get back here? I don't even remember. It was one day this week when I got back. Oh, I went to find out who was coming to SOS. I was trying to find the, the list of who signed up to come work at SOS. And I got out to the Oak, and somebody had written Jan Porter's address out, and I laughed. Somebody has the gift of helps. They're like, this pastor's miserable. <laughs> you know what? This pastor has visions, and they're great big visions. You know what? As your pastor, I am that guy that says, there's the mountain. Let's take the mountain. And I start running. And all of you are like, ah, what do we need to bring? You know, when are we leaving exactly? And I'm already halfway up the hill, right? I'm struggling to climb up by myself. And you know what we need? Administrators to come and say, okay, everybody, Pastor Don said we're taking the mountain, so here's what you need to pack. 
Here's when we're leaving. Pee before you come. Bring water. And then you know what? The people with help show up and they brought extra water. You know, I got two backpacks. I want to, you know. And that's how the church works. I think the illustration of Jan Porter was so on spot that you took it even further and showed us that people with the gift of helps couldn't help themselves. They wanted to help you know what our address was. So they wrote it out and put it out there for you. I love that. My point is that we're all gifted differently and it makes me smile. It makes me smile to know that I don't have to have the administrative gifts to be your pastor. But I need administratively gifted people, amen? And I don't have to have the gift of helps, but I need a bunch of helpers to come alongside. That's what's beautiful. I mean, we are the illustration of the church. How about that? Here in Ortonville, Michigan, we can be the microcosm of what God said in Scripture. And, and you know what? It works. It works. Come back next week. We'll finish the gifts list. And then I'm going to hand you an assessment. We're not going to take it in church. That would take too much time. But I'm going to actually hand you an assessment that you can take and you can fill it out, score it for yourself, and help you to determine maybe what spiritual gifts you have. And then I'm not going to make you work in the nursery. I promise. I don't have those gifts to do that. I'm not even able to think that far ahead. So you're going to take those and let the Holy Spirit encourage you to serve in the church. You know what, Tracy? I think I've gone too long. Is that okay? All right. She said that's okay. So let's pray in closing. We'll pick it up again next week. I know it's the July 4th weekend, but I encourage you to come and participate with us in that. As soon as I pray, you're going to be dismissed, and we're going to encourage you to stop, take a breath, eat some cake, drink some lemonade, talk to our graduates. Graduates, you're dismissed to go out there. Graduates, go ahead and get to your tables, and let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word, because we go to your word to understand these things. And God, this is one of the areas where we just don't have extreme clarity. Some people might think we do, but for us, Father, today, for all the purposes, we want to stick with what we can know, what we can see clearly. God, you work out the rest. God, I pray you would, you would move your people through the Holy Spirit. It's not my job, so I'm thankful to give that back to you, and you can organize it as you will. But help us, Father, to respond. Help us not to quench the Holy Spirit. Help us not to grieve the Holy Spirit who resides in us by sitting on the sideline and doing nothing. But make us effective in ministry, we pray. And I thank you for all the people of Oakwood, the servers, the helpers, the administrators, the teachers, all these wonderful gifts you've brought and people using them to effective ministry. I'm thankful for it. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.